The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. If you don't build it with labor in vain, without your spirit, we stand with no strength. I know my time is passing away. The works of your hands are what will remain. Let the favor of the Lord rest upon us. Oh Lord, establish the work. to number the length of our days pour out your power pour out your praise teach us to rhyme to finish the race
Hello, Ecclesia. Welcome to our online service. We are so glad that you are with us. And I am so glad that I got to see some of you last Sunday at Easter at White Oak Music Hall. That was an experience that filled me up. And if you were there, I hope it filled you up. It was very energizing for me. As we go into this next season of Easter, of celebration into the following weeks, um, I would love to open us up this morning in prayer. Um, join me. God, we thank you so much for the season of new life, of new life through Jesus, of new life outside on the trees and along the bayous. We praise you for the season of restoration and rejuvenation. Be with us this morning, and may we sense your spirit with us as we continue in worship. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Lift your eyes, lift your eyes, celebrate. 
shepherd I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me rest in fields of green with quiet streams And even though I walk through valley of death and dying I will not fear cause you are with me you're always with me your shepherd's staff comforts me you are my in the presence of enemies Surely goodness will follow me Will follow me In the house of God forever In the house of God forever God is my shepherd I won't be wanting I won't be wanting He makes me rest In fields of green With quiet streams And even though I walk through death and dying I will not fear cause you're with me you're always with me your shepherd's staff comforts me of enemies surely goodness will follow me will follow me yeah. your shepherd's staff comforts me you are my feast in the presence of enemies surely Follow me, follow me in the house of God forever. In the house.
house of God forever In the house of God forever Join me now in the reading of this offertory prayer. Our risen Lord, all that we have is yours. Our presence, an offering to your glory. Our talents, the humble bricks of your kingdom. Our very best, laying before you in gratitude. We submit this offering to the honor of your great mission. Work within us, around us, and through us. Bind us together in your redeeming work. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hello, Ecclesia. It's so good to be with you online. I'm Wayne Brown. I'm the campus pastor at Ecclesia on the West Side. And if you can't tell, I'm still riding the high from our Easter party that we got to throw together at White Oak Music Hall last Sunday. I cannot tell you how proud I am of our team and the way they collaborated to create a safe and sacred, memorable space to see so many of you in person, some of you for the first time in over a year. Our story team put together an amazing recap with some of the highlights, and we think it's beautiful. We'd love to share it with you, especially for any of you who missed it when we posted it online, or if you just weren't there with us because you're out of town or just weren't able to make it. It's beautiful and helps create a sense of hope for us, and we'd love to share that with you now. Isn't that fantastic? I love that shot at the end where you're, it's pulling back and you can see White Oak with the city and it just puts it in perspective. And I hope you get a sense of hope that the resurrection brings, but also that we're beginning to feel in our community. And we wanna let all of you know that we are gonna to continue to find ways where we can gather together safely. And we're gonna be gathering outdoors every week at both our downtown campus and at our Westside campus on Sunday mornings at nine and 11. We would love it if you'd register in advance to let us know you're coming. So that if we need to make last minute adjustments, we can let you know that quickly and efficiently. And we also want you to know that if uh, you can't make it because you're either out of town or you still aren't in that place where you feel safe, we're gonna continue to gather online in this space as well. Uh, so you can go to ecclesiahouston.org to our website to find info on how to sign up. You can also sign up for those outdoor worship services in the Church Center app. And then you can go to ecclesiahouston.org online to join us every Sunday online if that's better for you. But we love you, Ecclesia. Can't wait to see you in person every Sunday. Next, Ecclesia, I wanna make sure that you know that we have some ways for us to connect together in smaller groups. And we've got an exciting one starting this Sunday, actually. Sunday night at 4 p.m., we're starting a yoga class that's good for yogis of all levels. And it's gonna be taught by one of our own Ecclesians, Leslie Miller. And it's gonna be a fantastic thing for the next eight weeks. 
So you can find information on that at ecclesiahouston.org groups and look for community meetups. You'll see the yoga class there. And there's a lot of different ways to connect either with small groups or other groups of interest where you can either meet via Zoom. Some of those are in person, uh, but that's a great chance to get connected with other people in our community so that we can walk through this season together. Uh, go to ecclesiahouston.org groups. You can find all the info there. And lastly, Ecclesia, just want you to pause and take a deep breath. We're so thrilled and honored that we get to welcome our dear sister, Erica Graham, who's going to open the scriptures and share some insights and perspective and some of her own story with us today. I can't tell you what a gift it was to see Erica and her baby Jet on Easter Sunday last week. And we're so grateful that she's back this Sunday to open the scriptures. So my prayer for you is that as Erica speaks and teaches that you hear God's voice speaking directly into your soul and that he ministers to you in ways that are so comforting and so peaceful and exactly what you need. We love you, Ecclesia. God bless. Good morning, Ecclesia. I am so honored to be preaching this Sunday after that amazing Easter service. I don't know about you, but that service just breathed life into my soul. It was so fun to see the staff and everybody um, engaged and it felt like hope was in the air, like resurrection was in the air, like how Easter should feel. And so I am so honored to be back following that weekend with a sermon on Doubting Thomas. And the story starts in John chapter 20. It begins in verse 19. On the same evening of Resurrection Sunday, the followers gathered together behind locked doors in fear that some of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were still searching for them. Out of nowhere, Jesus appeared in the center of the room. So picture this, there's 11 disciples huddled together in the second story of a house, afraid because there are quite literally people out to get them and they just killed their best friend Jesus when Jesus appears. Jesus said, may each of you be at peace. As he was speaking, he revealed the wounds in his hands and side, and the disciples began to celebrate as it sank in that they were really seeing the Lord. Jesus said, I give you the gift of peace. In the same way that my Father sent me, I am now sending you. So I think Jesus was quite literally saying, okay, my life is complete, now it's your turn. He drew close enough to each of them that they could feel his breath, he breathed on them. You know, I think that's a funny line. He breathed on them. What does it mean to breathe on your friends? It sounds kind of weird. But if you think about it, back in Genesis 2, 7, the breath of life was an important part and a symbol of life. So I think Jesus was intentional. You know, in Genesis 2, 7 reads, Then the Lord God formed a man from dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So Jesus was proving, I am alive, I am resurrected. Jesus went on, he said, Welcome the Holy Spirit of the living God. You now have the mantle of God's forgiveness. As you go, you are able to share the life-giving power to forgive sins or to withhold forgiveness. All of the eleven were present with the exception of Thomas. He heard the accounts of each brother's interaction with the Lord. So imagine, 
There's 12 disciples, 11 of them are together, and Thomas wasn't there. Like, I don't know about you, but if I miss a party that all my friends are at, I already feel bad. Imagine missing a, not only a gathering, but a gathering where Jesus resurrects and reveals himself at. So Thomas is feeling a lot of FOMO right now. The other disciples respond and they tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Thomas said, until I see his hands, feel the wounds of the nails and put my hand to his side, I won't believe what you are saying. Eight days later, they gathered again and behind locked doors and Jesus reappeared again. This time, Thomas was with them. So eight days later, and Thomas is finally seen for himself that indeed Jesus is alive and resurrected. Jesus responded to the group. He said, may each one of you be at peace. He drew close to Thomas. I think that's an important line. He drew close to Thomas because somehow Jesus knew that Thomas was the one who was doubting in that moment. Jesus said, reach out and touch me. See the punctures in my hands. Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Leave behind your faithfulness and believe. Thomas was filled with emotion. You are the one true God and Lord of my life. Jesus responded, Thomas, you have faith because you have seen me. Blessed are those who never see me, and yet they still believe. Jesus performed many other wondrous signs that are not written in this book. These accounts are recorded so that you too might believe that Jesus is the anointed and liberating King, the Son of God, because believing grants you the life he came to share. Now that passage from John 20 is often referred to as a story about doubting Thomas. And in reflecting on this story, I came up with three main takeaways from this story that I think are really important. The first one is, is that I think if we're being honest, many of us would have been a lot like Thomas in that situation. I mean, you miss a gathering with your friends and Jesus resurrects, and then you're supposed to just believe your friends that your friend who just died is now alive? If I put myself in that situation, I don't know that I would believe my friends. And, you know, I used to have some guilt when I reflected about doubting Thomas because part of me knows that I would have a similar reaction. But you don't need to really have guilt because if you think about it, we wouldn't even need faith if we didn't have a little bit of doubt. Anne Lamott says the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. In fact, if we were certain about everything, there would be no role for faith to play in our lives. Paul Tillich said it this way. He said, doubt is not the opposite of faith. It is one element of it. And so I think it's okay to embrace our Christianity, even if we're unsure sometimes, just like Thomas was in that moment. You know, when I was in third grade, I was diagnosed with OCD, and it started off as um, obsessively washing my hands. 
And after living through a pandemic, that might sound like a good idea, but that is OCD hand washing and responsible hand washing are two totally different things. And part of the therapy for getting better from OCD is to learn to tolerate uncertainty. So for example, after I wash my hands and then maybe I touch a table, I'm supposed to, as part of my therapy, go on with my day. And even though I have doubt that there might be germs on my hand, I'm supposed to choose freedom instead of the kitchen sink again and again and again. And while this sounds like maybe an unrelatable story, I actually think we all have an inability and a, a frustration with tolerating uncertainty in our life. It might not show up in the form of a mental illness or OCD, but it does often control our lives in ways that are hard to admit. And I think this story is a story to participate in doubt, but not give doubt the driver's seat to our faith. To not let doubt take over our whole lives, but to live in the faithful hope that Jesus calls us to live in time and time again. The second main point that I took away from this story is that our wounds tell a story, and that story is holy. You know, I think of all the ways that Jesus could have impressed Thomas and gotten rid of his doubt. Like he's Jesus, he could have performed amazing miracles. But what did he do when Thomas was afraid and doubting? He drew close and he showed Thomas his wounds. He didn't show Thomas his miraculous divinity, he showed Thomas his humanity. And I think that's a crucial part of this story, is that Jesus invites us as disciples, as followers of him and as Christians, to draw close to those, not just that are on mountaintops and experiencing joy, but to those in their pain and suffering as well. Perhaps that's where Jesus's ministry is often most effective, is reaching out to those communities and people in pain and showing them that they don't have to do it alone. Finally, the third main point that I took away from this story is that ultimately this Easter story is an invitation to both resurrect and let things die in our own lives and our communities as well. You know, I think resurrection is a really appropriate theme for this season and this Easter season, not only because it's Easter and we're thinking about it, but also because the pandemic is in a hopeful transition right now. You know, the, the world is starting to breathe in some life, some resurrection, but we can't forget the trauma and the heartache that got us to this kind of hope. In many ways, our society will always have the scars of this pandemic in their hands and in their palms, much like Jesus did, because even though he was resurrected and healed, he carried his wounds in the same way that we will as a community. But that doesn't mean that we can't live into hope with our scars. You know, Glennon Doyle quotes Kathleen Norris in her book, and she says that the Greek word for crisis is actually to sift. And so if Kathleen Norris is right, and the Greek word for crisis is to sift, 
then what happens in a crisis is it's ultimately an invitation to reshape what's, what's important in our lives and what matters. For many of you, this past year that has maybe come with heartache, loss, grief, suffering, sickness, it, that has been excruciatingly hard. But perhaps it's also reshaped and made you reimagine what's most important in your own life. So if crisis is to sift, and I brought a, I brought a sifter that is actually for the beach for this little demonstration, but I wonder if Easter time and this time we're living through right now is an invitation for us to sift in our own lives and let go and let things fall through the cracks that don't matter anymore. Because when we sift, what does matter rises to the top in a crisis. Things like love, faith, hope, community. I don't know what words would be on your rocks. Perhaps they're more specific than that. But I do believe that this past year and this Easter season, you are being reshaped. Austin Channing Brown recently wrote, and no one understood what in the world was happening. The resurrection was followed by bewilderment, strange encounters, confusion and disbelief. The impossible happened and it took everyone a second to connect the dots. But eventually, eventually, that confusion turned into revelation and revelation became purpose and passion. So I wonder if our revelation can become purpose and passion in this season. If the times of grief and suffering and crisis and heartache can be reshaped so that we can reimagine a world that lives a resurrected life. A world that meets each other, not just in their joys, but in their pains and open wounds as well. A world that embraces doubt as part of faith and that includes everyone on this journey towards living a good story of hope. Because ultimately, that's what the story of resurrection is, is the story ends well. Let me pray with you. Dear God, as we go out into the world during this Easter season and during this spring season, we pray that we will be reminded of your hope. We pray that we will embrace the kind of faith that can overcome and that we will let the crisis and trauma and heartache of the past reshape us into your vision. We pray that we can be active participants in meeting people in their wounds and pain so that we may too connect with humanity on a deeper level, just as your son invites us to do. In your name we pray, amen. Ecclesia, after hearing from Erica today, it's my privilege and honor to invite you to the table where we get to feast together and in that way remember Christ's death and his resurrection. 
in this Easter tide season. It strikes me that we live in a world where we believe and we hope for resurrection life and that to come, but we also are aware of it is not yet, we're not there yet. And so I wanna invite you to take a moment to reflect, to look inside, to be honest with ourselves and with God about who we are, but also who we long to become and let him do that work of proclaiming forgiveness and grace over us and over all people. So would you join me in praying this prayer of confession? I'll read as a celebrant, you can respond as the people. And you, O oh Lord, we are raised to walk in new life but still we are prone to wander from your path. Forgive us, Lord. Grant us obedience to walk boldly, following you in faith. Our eyes remain clouded by the things of this world, even as your new creation is breaking through. Forgive us, Lord. Grant us vision for your kingdom. Help us to see you clearly. Our self-interest turns inward. We are slow to empathy and compassion. Forgive us, Lord. Grant us hearts that break with yours. Make us instruments of your love for all people. And all together, help us to leave these things at the foot of the cross. Help us rise again a forgiven people. Grant us grace for this day that we would place our hope in you once more. Amen. And so Ecclesia, we come to the table where we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his closest followers and he took bread and he gave thanks and then he broke it. And I'm always struck by the fact that he gave thanks for the thing that represented his death and breaking and dying. And he told his followers, this is my body, take it and eat. And in the same way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine and again, he gave thanks, he blessed God. And then he gave it to his followers and said, drink, it is a new covenant in my blood. And as often as you eat and drink this, remember me. And so today, Ecclesia, we remember Christ's death and we proclaim his resurrection, that even when God himself is brutally and unjustly murdered in broad daylight and buried, that is not the end of the story, that resurrection, life, forgiveness and grace comes from that to all of us and to all people. So let us taste and see his resurrection life and his redemption. This is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Tangled in light You 
are a savior and you take brokenness aside and you make it beautiful, beautiful. And will you call me child when I tell you lies? Cause all how to cry Cause I am a sinner If it's not one thing It's another Caught up in words Tangled in lies You are a savior And you take brokenness aside And you make it beautiful And you make it beautiful, beautiful You make it beautiful You make it beautiful I am a sinner If it's not one thing It's another Caught up in words Tangled in lies You are a savior And you take brokenness aside And you make it beautiful Beautiful I am a sinner If it's not one Another caught up in words, tangled in lies. You are a savior, and you take brokenness aside, and you make it beautiful, beautiful, and you make it beautiful, beautiful, and you make it. Ecclesia, it's my joy and privilege to help us pause and get in a rhythm and practice of speaking a blessing over our kids. And I want to invite you into this really simple time where we get to do this. If you got kids with you in your space, would you take a moment and gather them together? Uh, would you get down on their level and look in their eyes? And if you're in a space where you don't have kids, that's okay. Just picture them in your mind and send these words to you. And I was struck as I was watching uh, kids blessing last week and I just something about it prompted and reminded me of a moment in a movie that I love called The Help where Viola Davis plays this character called Abilene and she cares for someone else's kids and she would so often so many times get down on those kids level 
and she would have them repeat something back. And I just love the simplicity of that and they would say it back to her. So I wanna just lead you through something uh, that simple and invite you to say this over your kids with me and let them say it back so that this sinks in. Would you get down on their level? Would you look them in the eye and say this blessing with me? And I'm gonna be picturing my kids, Moses and Aiden. Moses and Aiden, you are smart. You are kind. You are important. And you are deeply loved by God. Amen. Friends, I get the honor of sending us out today with our benediction. God of the empty tomb, we rejoice in this day that you have made. Ever guide our sight and our steps as we go forth to serve you. Remind us always of Mary's tears, those of sorrow and those of rejoicing, of Peter's words, those of denial and doubt, and those of trust unshakable. Just as your resurrected body bears the imprint of your wounds, grant us the grace to accept both the cost and the delight of following you. We bless you, O God, and thank you for the gift of your Son, that we may have life in abundance. Sisters and brothers, people of the resurrection, go now in joy and celebration. Go and dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.